welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 353. Today is Tuesday, December 19th, not 18th, but you know, this time of year, crazy, working around schedules, pre-records. Guys, we're continuing our countdown to Christmas very excited this whole week is going to be just jam-packed full of festivities and great teaching and all that fun fact illumination pointed this out today is episode 353 our last christmas episode with krista elijah christmas part one last year was episode 153 it was exactly 200 episodes you know, ago, 200 episodes ago, which we did not plan at all. It just happened. You know, we've been having to take a lot of time off um, just because of family emergencies and things like that, um, reschedules, all of that. So really kind of fun how it was like a little little wink. It was just like, oh, look at that. My notes fell down. Um, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's episode with Christina. It was Christina Miss, hosted by Kelsey. Um, I really, I was in the background of that one. I'm sure you guys heard my voice, um, but uh, it was just a great time. Um, guys, I hope I, I didn't personally get to, you know, ask you this, but I hope you guys had a great weekend. I certainly did, did tons of Christmas festivities. Um, you know, we, like I was saying, we, there's a neighborhood near where I live where they have like all these Christmas lights and there's like a specific path that you go, go down. Um, and that was super, super fun. Um, and uh, there was someone dressed up like Buddy the Elf driving in a, like this little like cart around and there's a Santa Claus on the quad and it was just like a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, and then we hung out with friends, uh, wrapped tons of gifts. Uh, it was just super fun, you guys. I love this time of year. It's great. Watch Christmas movies, watch a bunch, watch White Christmas and Santa Claus and uh, there's one more. Can't remember. Anyways, um, so anyways, guys, uh, really excited about today's episode, our third annual Christmas episode. Also, I wanted to point out, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to get it by Christmas, but you can certainly try. Elijah Fire has merch. Uh, you know, we've been promoting it uh, recently. So if you guys go to ElijahShopper.com, type in Elijah Fire, all one word, you'll see all of our merch right there or super easy open the description, go down to the follow us section. And right there is a link to our merch. You can just click it. Boom. It'll take you right there. We've got mugs. We've got shirts. We've got stickers like this amazing K by sticker. Like I always say at the end of every episode. Um, so anyways, get those as a stocking stuffer or, or as a gift to somebody who's a diehard for uh for christmas stuff so anyways um i also want to point out that we do not have any shows on monday or tuesday of next week why jeff because it's christmas and the day after christmas and we're all going to be off and uh you should be hanging out with family and friends anyways so uh no christmas or day after christmas episodes will be back on wednesday the 27th uh so all right guys uh we're going to have a great time. We're going to be festive. And uh, I can't think of anyone who I'd rather spend that with on Elijah Fire 
Then my guest today, she is a prophet and author, founder of Arise Kingdom Ministries. Let's give it up for our guest today, kicking off Christmas Part 1, Krista Elisha. Third annual Christmas episode with Krista. Third annual. That's so crazy. Third time doing this. Wow. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You're a Christmas tree. I am a Christmas tree this year. Yeah. Um, Sadly, people can't see the rest of my costume, which I had on for our big um, holly jolly Christmas party and fundraiser this year for Rise Kingdom Ministries. But I had a huge, giant, tool green skirt that um, I made look like a Christmas tree. So I had... Christmas lights and ornaments. It was so funny. My husband never decorates the tree with me. Like, I don't know if he just gets tired and falls asleep, but somehow oh, every yeah. year he gets out of it, except for this year because he had to help me decorate my skirt. So, he got him. He <laughs> yeah, I got him this year. Him. I'm like, you're not getting out of it, out of it this year, as he's like trying to safety pin ornaments onto my That's giant awesome. green skirt. Yeah, so you you posted that on social media so people can go see that if they haven't. Just you I know, did. yes, I did. Yeah, I how also, how was that? Oh, what's that? I could send you the pictures too that were pretty yes. good. Yes, absolutely. So how how was how was that Christmas? It was really good. It was really good. It's always so much fun. I love um, just anything theatrical and extra and artsy. Um, And whenever people, other people are compelled to dress up, I love um, because it just creates like an atmosphere, you know. Mm -hmm. And so some of the ugly sweaters were so creative. Um, Like one girl, she had like birds. pin tour and uh our friend jared showed up and he had actually like his belly was a huge fireplace and he had put a tablet inside of the pocket like a pocket so it was like a a fire like burning in a fireplace and stockings and stuff it was super cool um so it was just a lot of fun and we had so many businesses like offer to to donate for our raffles and stuff. And that was so awesome. Just seeing like the outpouring of like gifts and my father-in-law was there and I got to meet my great grandmother-in-law for the first time. And she just kept talking about how adorable I was. And she's like, and you're David's wife. <laughs> And I said, yes, yes, I'm your grandson's <laughs> wife. <laughs> She's like, well, you're so pretty. And I'm like, thank you. You know, I was did you expect to be different? Different? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was a lot of fun. And, oh, and thank you so much for your donation to Arise Kingdom Ministries. Um, we love you guys. So yeah. we're so That's blessed funny. and honored by Elijah's dreams. Yes. Yeah. Funny story. The other day I was at my dad's house and um, he was having me go through some old drawers mm-hmm. and I opened up a drawer and I found a bunch of my mom's Christmas stuff. And it had like old Christmas like CDs. And then there was a envelope that was 
folded that had her handwriting on it. And I turned it over. And do you know that it said Elijah list no and it had, yeah. And it had the address um, for when it was located in Washington. Huh? Like the office. I, I had no idea that it was ever in Washington. Yeah, at one point the address was in Washington and it said like CO. I can't remember whose name was on it, but um yeah, like but it was in there with Christmas CDs. Wow. And I was like, wow, like that is so wild, you know, that yeah. I'm pretty sure she got one of those Christmas CDs off of Elijah List actually because it was a worship yeah. Christmas CD. Yeah, I know that uh, I mean uh, the Elijah List used to do have a lot of different materials like they even used to have like a magazine called Elijah Rain and yeah. so like it was like Steve like every I think it was like a monthly magazine like the coverage used to be like Steve doing different things like kind of kind of like Oprah, you know how Oprah oh God, was yeah. always on her magazine. Uh it was it, it was the same thing with Steve and they'd like, you know, put them on a horse and like all kinds of other funny stuff, you know? So oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I, I just thought that that was really cool. Cause it was like, wow. Like Lord, we, I'm now on Elijah list and Elijah streams and we do Christmas specials and uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, just really cool to see like little God winks like that. Um, yeah. In unexpected places. Yeah, well, that was one of the first things I knew about you uh, when you were on Elijah streams for the first time um, before Elijah Fire was even a thing, and yeah. you know, you had mentioned how uh, how much your mom loved the list and how familiar familiar you were with it because of her, and it's just cool to see how all that's kind of come full circle, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, God has redeemed a lot in your life, and you're here and yeah and we're friends and like yeah it's great <laughs> yeah and my mom would have absolutely adored you uh -huh. like she would have adored you i just know it so that's like it is really cool to see how you know god's justice um has like played out in my life uh in that area of like missing my mom and um my mom feeling like she was like a rejected prophet for a lot of her life. Like her, her, when she came to somebody with a prophetic like word or a warning, um, it wasn't always received. Mm. And, and I didn't, even as a teenager in my rebellion, I didn't receive it. Um, and then really for many years when I was running from the Lord, my, my voice was an instrument of evil. You know, I, I used, my words to really harm people and cut people down. Mm -hmm. And then when Jesus got a hold of me, um, you know, and then he he transformed my heart and purified my mouth. And now my words are to build up, build other people up. And mm -hmm. it's just it's cool to see how God has has taken all of all of the pain and he's turned it all around for for his good and it's I, I feel like in a in a big way that me being on Elijah List and friends with Elijah Streams um, is God's justice for my mom. Yeah, too. that's a really good point. You know, so there's yeah. like generational justice in that, mm -hmm. which is kind of what we're going to talk about today. I wanted to talk about the life of Joseph, mm -hmm. 
um, because God has really been speaking to me about this being the season of the dreamers and the doers. Yeah, and, I like that. Yeah, I saw the, the title and I was like, oh. Yeah, the nice. dreamers and the doers. Well, so specifically, like the dreamers and the doers, like a dream really is just a wish. And wishes don't get us anywhere. Mm. But a dream plus an action plan becomes a manifest destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like there are so many people uh, in the body of Christ that, you know, they have these big dreams of things that they want to do, or they think like, wow, it would be so cool if I could do this for God, if I, if I could build this, if I could have this Mm -hmm. for the Lord. And because it just stays like a dream, it's just a wish. Mm -hmm. And I just felt today that there were a lot of people that were going to be listening that need to know that they have permission not only to dream with the Lord, but to do the things that they have in their heart that they're dreaming to do for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when we look at the life of like King David, he was a man after God's own heart, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this really interesting um aspect in David's relationship with the Lord and the Lord's relationship with him is that so like we think a lot of times that maturity in the Lord is being obedient, right? But I think that that's only part of it. Okay. Okay, because in order to be obedient, you have to have a command. Yeah, you have to know what to be obedient to. Right. So David did not have a command from God, but he had a dream in his heart to build a temple for God. Right? Yeah. And it was, David was a man who in his love and his honor for the Lord, he desired to do and to build big things for him Mm -hmm. without having a command. Hmm. And, and so I think that like, and, and he, and God allowed it, he allowed his son to do that. Right. And there's something about getting to a place of maturity in our relationship with the Lord where he begins to ask us what our dreams are to do for him out of love. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that those things that we're holding in our heart are going to, like, I think we're all waiting for a command, right? Like for God to tell us to do something. But for me in my relationship with my kids, there is something that is stirred in me when my children, because they love me and they honor me, do what 
they know pleases me or will please me or will bless me without me telling them what to do. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, like I just feel that for some of us in this season, we've reached this place of maturity in our relationship with God, where God is, is, is saying like, what is in your heart? What are you dreaming about to do, to build, you know, that, um, you know, is going to bless me, even if I don't give you a command for you to be obedient to it. It's almost like this, um, like an invitation to bless the Lord with an act of faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really, I mean, and it's Christmas time, you know, so it, it's almost like I feel prophetically speaking that the Lord is, is asking us and he's asking me too. you know, what are your dreams? Like, what do you want to build? And what can I say yes to, to give you what you need to build um, this dream, right? That, mm-hmm. that is ultimately for me because you love me and it's out of the good treasure of your heart. Yeah. And, and after we give that to him, he will give us his yes and his blessing and we'll provide everything that we need to accomplish that dream. Mm. I think some for some people this is uh challenging because as you've been listening to Krista talk, you're like realizing that this is a struggle for you to actually do something without God saying go do this thing and it can be I mean I remember the I I can't remember the exact moment but I remember when I was in missions, there was several times where God was like, what do you want to do? I'm like, no, you're supposed to, t- don't ask me. You're supposed to tell me what to do. This is not how this works, you know? And I was, you know, I think a lot of Christians, we have that moment where you like, God is like, flips it on you. And he's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, no, you know, like that can be kind of unsettling in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, is it? a is it a true relationship if one person is dictating what the other person does constantly yes god is sovereign yes we are submitted to his will yes all those things but at the same time god does want a relationship with us and it is a it is a mutual give and take in in you know in a relationship obviously we're submitted to god but um I think that that can be that that aspect of our walk with the Lord can be unsettling for some people. Yeah, it can be. And and so that's the thing, right? Like if it's unsettling, then it's because there is a lack of security in your identity as a child of God. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, like, here's the thing, like when we love the Lord and we have a desire to do good for him and our heart motives are pure, then God actually trusts what is in our hearts to do, right? And so I know that a lot of times we're always asking, well, like, God, I just want your perfect will for my life. Mm-hmm. Well, what if God is is asking us to tell him what it what is in our hearts? Because one, he put it there, right? Like we are God's dream that he put flesh to, 
Like he dreamed us up in his imagination, his sanctified, holy imagination. And that means that if he dreamed us up or he imagined us before he created us, then all of the dreams that we are holding in our heart, he must have put there. And part of stepping into being a mature manifest son or daughter of God is getting those dreams that God put in us out of us because it's like, okay, so nothing can exist unless it was first created in our imagination, right? And we, by nature, we are created in God's image and we are created to create other things in God's image, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the dreams that he put in us, the Bible actually says that um, he he predestined us for good works, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that he gives us the power to accomplish those things. But that doesn't always mean that we're going to have like this lightning bolt out of heaven that's saying, let's do this. We have this longing and this desire deep in our hearts, or Mm -hmm. we see a problem in the world that needs a solution. And God starts partnering with our sanctified imaginations where he lives and he speaks and he shows us things to offer solutions to the world around us. Mm -hmm. And that's how we get what is in heaven what's in his mind and his thoughts for the earth out into this world and begin to expand the kingdom and the kingdom's influence and, and the kingdom's solutions on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, and you know, and there's a process to this too, right? Like if we're new in the Lord or, or we are still in this journey of like, self-discovery and and learning who we are in Christ, then he might be pointing to things later on down the road, right? Uh-huh. Um, okay, for example, for me, like he gave me a word about starting the salon, uh-huh. right? The Rose Room Salon. And he did amazing things through the Rose Room Salon. But at that point in my relationship with the Lord and in my maturity as a daughter of God, I had to be given a command that I could obey because I would have never thought in a million years that I would ever be capable enough to own a business. I had never looked at myself as a leader um, and I would have never looked at myself as a leader if he had not first said, hey, actually, this is who you are and this is what I want you to do. Yeah. And so that prophetic word initiated a process in me where I had to come to believe that if he was asking me to do this, Mm -hmm. then I had what was required to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But when I look back on some of the the visions and the words that he spoke to me that I thought were about the salon, they were actually about my ministry. They weren't about the salon. Hmm. And then, you know, I end up, but the salon was the starting point Mm -hmm. for me to 
be obedient and to step into a greater revelation of who he created me to be. Mm -hmm. And I had to go through that process so that when he launched me into ministry, I could trust him when he said, hey, I want you to give up the salon and I want you to go into full time ministry. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. that was that was another huge leap of faith and me trusting him in another aspect of my identity that I mm. wasn't just an entrepreneur, but now I could I was going to be a leader, uh, a spiritual leader to other sons and daughters of God. Yeah. Well, and he uses stuff that we know a lot of times. And, I, you know, I've said on the show before that it's like Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid when, kid, you know, Daniel's like, I want to learn karate. And he's like, hey, come over here to this car and, and wax on, wax off. And he's like, after a while, he gets impatient, you know, and then and then he realizes that he was being taught karate. You know, he was mm -hmm. being taught. how to, And I, I think that God does that a lot with us, especially in our actually, I don't even want to say especially in our early, early stages of our walk with him because he still does that to me but that's like how he works is like you know and then moving you into ministry like that's kind of the natural progression of our, our walk with him is yeah it's like we're submitted to his will and yeah like that's always going to be an element is is god saying hey chris i want you to do this and you go sir yes sir you know like um but there's a whole nother element to it and that is conceiving of these dreams yourself but they come from they come from an overflow of your relationship with them it's not just like you're sitting over there not christian and being like you know it'd be cool to do for god you know like <laughs> you know it's like it's it's just a natural like in any relationship lauren i'm like because i love her I'm like, you know, it'd be awesome to get her is this, you know, like half of her gifts this year are stuff that I conceived on my own, not even on her Christmas list, like things that I conceived on my own, but it's because of an overflow of my relationship with her. And it's the same, same with God too. So anyways. Right. And that's like, so I, all the prophets for a couple of years now, I've been talking about this coming mega transfer of wealth. Okay. And I really believe that the Lord is challenging this poverty mindset and this, um, like in a, and see with poverty comes slavery. Right. And <laughs> with the Lord, we're called to be love prisoners, meaning that we have made a decision that we are chained to his love. There is no place else that we can go, but he doesn't call us slaves. He calls us friends. Hmm. He calls us friends and he calls us sons. Right. And so for me in my relationship with my son, okay, I trained him as a child between what was right and what was wrong. And as he is now stepping into being a teenager and a young man, something different, like when he was younger, like I would have to tell him, hey, take out the trash. Hey, son, you need to do this and you need to take care of your room. You need to take care of your personal hygiene, right? Like 
those are things that you have to tell children. But once children reach a certain age, you shouldn't have to tell them to do these certain things anymore because they've reached a level of maturity where they should know because of history what they are expected to do, right? Mm -hmm. And with that level of maturity, there is also a place where parents begin to give their children space to start dreaming and discovering who they are and what is on the inside of them. So I'm in this season with my son right now where he is learning who he is. And it's not my job because I've prophesied over him his identity for years, right? And so when he is going through warfare or he's you know, feeling like his identity is being attacked, then yes, I remind him who he is. But when he starts saying things like, you know, mom, I, I really want to start making videos and I want to have a Christian kids gaming channel. Like, what do you think about that? In my heart, because I trust him, because I know that he knows what is right and what is wrong, you know, and because I can hear him while he's gaming with his friends in the other room, witness to them about Jesus and, and pray for them when they're sick. It's like the cutest thing in the whole world, you know, like I'll hear him and he's like, Oh man, like you're home from school sick today. Well, I rebuke that in Jesus name. And we just declare healing <laughs> over you. And he doesn't know any better. Cause that's all he's yeah. ever known. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's, but he's playing games online with like secular kids, Yeah, you know, like kids that don't know the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then when they're like, well, wow, like, man, why are you home from school? He's like, oh, I'm actually homeschooled. My mom's a, she's a preacher and like we travel and, and she ministers to women and like saves babies and stuff. And I hear him telling them testimonies about our life. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. I know that although I didn't tell him, hey, Ari, go start a, a YouTube gamer channel. You know what I mean? It's in his heart to, to do something good for the kingdom and to make a space for other kids who know the Lord and, and don't have something to watch, you know, or a community where they can feel safe and seen and known and also know that there's, um, there's people there on that channel that have like-minded values, right? That's not a straight command from me, but I can see that that is coming from a, the good treasure in his heart. And I can trust him with that. And so I'm trying to, in this season, like make space for him to step into the things that are in his heart to do. And if he's successful at it, then praise God. But even if he doesn't succeed in the way that like, you know, the world would per perceive success being, mm -hmm. I know that he's going to learn from it. And I know that he's going to grow in it. And so no matter what, he's going to succeed. And I right. believe that that's how God looks at us too. Mm -hmm. That like, go ahead. I mean, like every millionaire most millionaires, most billionaires have 
filed for bankruptcy at least once. I mean, if you do the research and I and I think the thing is, is that we are so afraid that God is not going to show up for us. That the yeah. reason why yeah. we don't step out and do the things that are in our hearts to do or to build for God is not because, you know, of it's it has more to do with our fear that he's not going to show up or he's not going to bless it um or it has more to do with the fear of our insufficiency right or lack of identity than it really is about anything else yeah. and the journey to get from point a and point b is really the learning how to be a humble servant. Like we're here to serve the Lord, not to have the Lord serve us. Yeah, come on. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we look at God's, like the life of Joseph, for example, um, because I believe that God is really releasing to release this, this massive exchange of wealth, like wealth transfer. Um, it, it's going to be a business and a marketplace mantle that God is going to be putting on the church. Mm -hmm. And I believe that in this next season, not only are we going to see this massive explosion of the ecclesia and um, or the governing body church of God, right? Being in micro environments like home church gatherings and hubs where people are doing one-on-one -on -one discipleship and um, multiplying that, right? Just like the book of Acts church, it was in home group gatherings, but it's also going to be businesses and marketplace ministries that are also the ecclesia where they're given regional jurisdiction because their business has influence and favor with the city because the business blesses the city. And, and that is what Joseph walked in. Joseph was, he, he had influence over the government and was stewarding the wealth of Egypt, the kingdom, a secular culture, right? A secular, very society. pagan, actually, very <laughs> pagan, right? Yeah. Um, he was actually made Pharaoh made him as a God to the Egyptians. And his role was to delegate wealth and resources in a time of lack. And, and so Joseph was risen up to become a governing force to Pharaoh, who was like considered a God in that culture. You know what I mean? So he began to govern Pharaoh because Pharaoh didn't have the answers. Joseph had the answers that God gave him. And what's interesting is that Joseph didn't force Pharaoh to worship the God of his fathers. This is very dynamic. I mean, when you think about this, this really begins to challenge our Western Christian mindset, right? Where Joseph was called to the secular realm, right? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. called to secular leaders Mm -hmm. to give heavenly wisdom and strategy to save and to feed a nation in a time of famine. Yet he was not called to make that culture, that society conform to his belief system. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. And I'm like, why why is it? And this is more, I guess, I mean, more of a rhetorical question, but like, why are we so we read things like that in Genesis and we're like, whoa, man, like that's amazing. But then when we see someone doing that, we're so quick to throw judgment on that person. They're not, they're not using their platform correctly. They're not doing this and this and this. If I was there, I would do this and this and this. And, and no, you should be witnessing to these people openly in this such and such way and this way and this way. And it's like, we're so quick to throw judgment on people who are actually Joseph's of their day. And, um, I'm like, it's just, this is such a hard thing for us to grab a hold of. Because Joseph didn't sacrifice who he was. He didn't, you know, he was very open with Pharaoh. He was very, like, he didn't hide the fact that he was a Jew. He didn't, like, yeah. Exactly. I mean, like, and these are things like, okay, so here's another thing. Let's look at Esther. All right. Esther was a Jew who hid her Jewness, right? Hmm. And married a secular, pagan king and she did not like it was actually her love and her service to the king that like just to bring him pleasure because i mean like this is even (laughs) okay like we're gonna get into some weird but seriously that's the marriage for a king who had all these different wives and concubines it was more about pleasuring him mm-hmm. and being submissive to him and available to him, right? And and honoring him that would garner favor from him. Yeah, it was all very, people would say today, very surface level or very, you know, fleshly what she was appealing to you know and is this license to go okay well i'm gonna use my body now no no no, that's not what we're saying they were were married but what i what i am saying what i am saying is that we need to look at these things in scripture realistically i mean talking about the life of esther i hear so many women say well if my husband was a believer if my husband was acting as a priest of the home then i could serve the lord then i could do what i am called to and actually no you can absolutely serve the lord and do what you're called to do and your husband when you are serving him and loving him and 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 uh being obedient to the lord and and how to do that when you come to your husband who might not be a believer and you say this is in my heart to do he's going to bless that why because of his love for you 
right? Yeah. Our whether we follow the Lord or not is not based off of terms and conditions. Right. Yeah. And so it's really powerful. I mean, just like you said, like the gifts that you got for your wife this year came from, you know, your heart and your imagination for her out of the abundance of your love for her. Right. You know, and we can we can see you know, the, the Josephs and the Esters in this hour, like God is inviting those of us who have been through this process of maturity into saying, what is in your heart? Will you tell me what, what you're dreaming of and, and what you would love to do with your life? Because I trust you and it is in my love for you that I actually want to give you what is in your heart. I am compelled to bless what you want to do because of my love for you, mm. right? And because we are always, you can't love God and not love what he loves or hate what he hates, right? Yeah. And so if we're thinking like, God, well, I want to be extremely blessed in my finances because I want to in human trafficking. I want to dig wells um, for people that don't have water. I want to feed people who are starving. I want to end human, you know, like th these atrocious things that are happening, or I want to send missionaries out into all the nations of the world. Then you need to know that that is on God's heart too. Yeah. And he wants somebody to do something to be a solution to those things too. So something that I was thinking about, um, just cause I've observed this just through talking to other people that are in public platforms, me, myself being in a public platform, it's not uncommon to have people come to you and criticize something you do and say, oh, you should be doing this and this and this. What are you doing? You should be focusing on that or you should be doing this. And anybody who's in the, any kind of public platform will, will testify to this, that mm -hmm. there will be people you will meet who will project burdens that are on their heart to do and they may not even realize it and put it on you. You have, you have a, a thing and they'll, they'll kind of conceive in their minds who they think you should be. But a lot of times what they're doing is putting burdens God has placed on them onto you. Cause you're like, well, you're the one with the platform. I'm like you go and do it. If you see a need for this thing, you go and do it. That's actually something God has put on you. And so I think it goes back to what you were saying. If we, we don't believe or we're afraid God's not going to come through for us. And so rather than it's easier, it is easier to, write something to somebody, uh, a, a, a passionate email to somebody telling them everything you think they should be. I'm like, you're actually supposed to go do that. And it's very easy for me to identify this within people who have done that to me. I'm like, you go do that. Like, I bless you. Like, I think, the, I think you're carrying a burden that God has placed on your heart and, and you would do well to not project that on other people, but actually be bold and go do that thing. So, right. and that's and, a word for a couple of people out there. Oh yeah. I mean, and absolutely. And I totally experience that. I experience that all the time. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's the thing is like when God is putting a burden on us to do something 
and we don't identify ourselves as a leader, then we will then, well, who do we consider a leader in our lives? Well, then they must do it. And, and that's not the case. God is actually inviting us into recognizing that he made us to be a leader. And, um, you know, that it's funny because I mean, that's the apostolic office, the apostolic office. And this is really like uh, Bob Jones, the, the word about the chiefs winning the Super Bowl. It was interesting in that word that Bob Jones gave about the chiefs winning the Super Bowl and it leading to, um, you know, the greatest revival that we'd ever seen. The chiefs winning the Super Bowl was to be a sign that God was raising up a generation of apostolic chiefs that and it would be the gathering and the culmination um and the maturity and the rising of these apostolic chiefs that would then give birth to revival because the apostolic office recognizes the callings and the giftings that are on other fivefold leaders and are on people that are in the body of Christ that are called to their own works of ministry, even if they're not fivefold. And so, and they make space or make room for individuals to step into what they're called to do. And they provide training and equipping so that the saints are mature sons and daughters of God that can do the things that Jesus did and greater to manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth. And so this revival, I mean, I really believe that we are like the, the chiefs won the Super Bowl again just this year in 2023. And all this stuff happened in February. You know, the Asbury revival, the Jesus Revolution movie was released. Now you're seeing all the prophets talking about the apostolic right? Like we're all talking about the apostolic and, and how it's the rise of the apostles. The last couple years, it was all the prophets, right? Because the prophets are the ones that see into the future and call things that are not as though they are right. Mm -hmm. And so the prophets go first, then the apostles come in and begin to establish those prophetic blueprints, right? Mm -hmm. That the prophets were seeing, they begin to build, lay the foundation. Um, for other people to step into what they're called to do um, or what they're called to walk on or walk in. But now we're talking about all the, this apostolic stuff right now. And that's what everybody's focused on. And it's because this Joseph was an apostle of his day. He was a governing force that was providing space and delegating roles and activity within Egypt um, to, to store resources for a great famine and recession that was coming. I don't believe that we are in a mega recession right now. Hmm. I don't. I believe that, that we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg and that God is bringing forth these, these Josephs, these, these Esters, right? These governmental voices and forces right now that have been trained through um, getting knocked down off their high horse, right? <laughs> like, you know, because 
they got Joseph got sold into slavery by his brothers. He was megally betrayed, right? Had his yeah. his robe, his mantle taken from him, mm-hmm. you know, because he had a dream. He had a dream about who he was going to be someday. But he had to go through this process of betrayal and and then learning. He went from being his favorite, the the his father's favored son, right, in his house, prideful little snot, I'm sure, you know. That hung out, he said that he hung around the tents. So while his brothers were out in the field, he was hanging out with daddy, you know, like, so God had to take him through a process where he was going to be humbled. Definitely humbled. Yes. Definitely humbled, (laughs) sold into slavery and then went into Potiphar's house. Right. And where he had to learn how to be a servant. And then in that, God's favor was on him. And then another betrayal and false accusation, right? And Joseph had to go through the process of stewarding his heart after a false accusation. So he had to handle the jealousy and hatred of his brothers, the separation of everything that he knew, right? Into being led away and falsely accused and then thrown into a prison. But God was with him every step of the way. It says that when Joseph was in the prison, God was with him. Mm -hmm. And he even became like a, a leader in the prison because the prison guard recognized the favor of God on Joseph's life. Right? And I believe that in, in, in the prison, it's interesting, Joseph began to serve and interpret the dreams of others while he was in the prison. He had a dream that he had not seen fulfilled by God. And he had walked in integrity. He had learned to walk in humility. He had learned to walk in service to unrighteous, wrong leaders, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? that treated him as a slave, not a son, right? Mm-hmm. That stole his his mantle and falsely accused him and then put him unjustly in a pit. And even there, there was Joseph saying, God is my judge, right? God is my vindication and God is not done with me. And God has been here with me even through all of this. And Joseph served the dreams and interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. But it wasn't until the right time where Joseph had been built up in his inner man and knew and could be trusted to feed a nation regardless of what had been done to him. See, because here's the thing. If there was a fragment of bitterness in Joseph's heart from the way that he had been treated, right, then he would have not been trusted with the nation. He, God had to know that Joseph had given up his right to be angry, <laughs> And that Joseph had trusted God to be his vindicator and his judge. Which is encouraging for people that feel like you've been dealt a bad hand. Right. 
Well, because here's the thing. Life is not fair, but God is a God of justice. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says that that God despises unjust weights or unjust scales, right? And so, well, how does God, when there has been injustice done in our lives, how does God give us justice? Well, first of all, he gave us Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus went through the ultimate injustice so that we could have freedom and forgiveness from sin. And Jesus didn't just pay for the sins that we committed. He paid for the sins that were committed against us to completely destroy the yoke and the hold and the effect that the sins against us, the effect that they had on us and on our soul. And and this is the thing, many of us who are, who are called to leadership, we need to get to this place where Jesus didn't just justify us from our own sins, but he's justified us from the sins that were committed against us. Mm-hmm. But that only happens when we are dead to sin. So we have to die not only to our own sin nature, but we have to die to the sin that was done to us too, and not allow the past injustices to speak to us today. Otherwise, we will be a victim that will be seeking our own vindication and our own vengeance, and we can't be trusted with the nation, right? Mm -hmm. Like with Joseph, like when his brothers came, you know, after he had been risen up, after God brought him out of the pit and God put a silver or a gold necklace on him that was to mark him as a deity unto the rest of the nation, made him second in command as a God to the entire nation, the world, as they knew it at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's crazy that, that God would allow that, you know, I will make you as a God to Pharaoh. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that's nuts. That really challenges our religion, mm-hmm. really challenges our boxes. Yet God did that. And then his brothers come to him. And instead of saying, oh, you jerks, like you did this to me, I'm going to let you starve to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. instead, Joseph processes his trauma. Because you can see him in that in that process. I encourage you to read the story, you know. He's hurt and he doesn't, because he doesn't trust them, he doesn't come out and say who he is, right? First, he wants information. He wants to find out if his father is alive. And then he finds out that he has a brother, right, from his mother, you know, and he gives food in mercy. He feeds his father's household because he wasn't going to do to his brothers what his brothers did to him. Right. Because he was he was responding as an appropriate, mature son of God, a royal person and a royal identity. We respond based on who we are, not on what has been done to us. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the next time you see him come, he breaks down in tears and he says, you know, it's me, your brother, Joseph. And do not be afraid for 
what you meant for my harm, God has you has used for our good. For it was the Lord who sent me here before you to preserve our lineage. So Joseph took all of the terrible things that he went through. And and it's interesting, you know, Potiphar was the one Potiphar's wife was the one who falsely accused him and threw him in prison. Do you know that Pharaoh gave Joseph the daughter of Potiphar as a wife? Hmm. The word vindication means to restore to its original form. So to do justice means that whatever was stolen, whatever was taken, whatever was broken, whatever was lost, whatever was deformed, God adds a blessing to that place that is so profound that it not only restores what was broken, but it overflows so that you can then release out of the overflow blessing into the lives of others, Mm. right? Joseph had two children by the daughter of Potiphar, and he named them um, Ephraim and Manasseh. And it's so interesting that um, he called them Ephraim. So the word or the name Ephraim, it means to be fruitful. And the name Manasseh means He caused me to forget my suffering. So when God vindicates us, when we allow him to be our judge, we allow the process of our suffering to bring us to this place of maturity and this place of, you know, righteousness and knowing um, how to treat people righteously as we would have desired to be treated. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. God adds a blessing to our lives in such a way that it causes us to forget the pain of our past. And he will even redeem names, people, dates. And this has been my story of our past pain. So like the wife of Potiphar falsely accused him and threw him in a pit. And then God said, this is my vindication, son. You're going to marry the daughter of Potiphar. Hmm. And not only that, but I'm going to make you as a God over Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. The very ones that you were in slavery to you know, that falsely accused you, that took your mantle, that tried Mm -hmm. to uncover you and make you feel naked and ashamed and threw you into a prison. I'm going to make you a God over their household by giving you their daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And so then you think of it, the very household that Joseph was serving as a slave, right? When, when Potiphar's wife tried to, you know, molest him or whatever. And he said, I can't, how could I sin again? He said, I cannot sin against God or my master. 
See, he didn't do that. He did it because he's like, I cannot sin against God or my master because he was a man of integrity. Because God saw his heart in his service, he didn't realize that one day all of the things that belonged to Potiphar's household were actually going to be part of his inheritance through him marrying that man's daughter. Mm-hmm. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. That's even crazier. Mm-hmm. That he was actually caring for the things that would one day be part of his inheritance through marriage when God vindicated him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's That's just, wild. it is wild when you think about this, but, but I say all of this to say that one, if you have been called to be a leader in any capacity and God has put these desires in you and you have been, you know, faithful and you've been a person of integrity um, and you have been falsely accused, you have been betrayed um, and, you know, rejected and cast aside how you steward your heart during that journey is absolutely imperative to whether God can trust you to feed a nation, Mm -hmm. to care for a nation, right? He's not going to give you a nation as your inheritance if he can't trust you with your own family, if he can't trust you with your own local church, if he can't trust you um, to, to one, serve a leader even when you see their faults mm-hmm. and their imperfections, if you can't love them and serve them out of the good treasure of your heart and be faithful to them and or to be faithful to God in the small things, then he's not going to get he's not going to allow you to be made a ruler over a nation. He can't trust you with it. You'll harm them. Right. Yeah. And. So one, it's a call to like, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I have bitterness in my heart, man, I have been resentful towards leaders or, you know, I have, I have actually come into the place of, of judging and pointing the finger and asking God for, for vindication, not from the good treasure of my heart, but because of a bitter place in my heart, then, then you need to repent. Hmm. And you need to allow God to deal with that because when he can trust you to do right, even to those who would have sought you harm, then he can trust you with more. Because God is benevolent and he's merciful and he's gracious to all, even while while we are still sinners. Right. And so for us to be faithful, um, to steward the masses, right? Or the bigger thing, we have to learn his grace and his mercy. And we have to trust that his vindication and his justice is better for us than our own vengeance and our own justice. You can't have it both ways, Hmm. right? And when we try to seek justice, we become like Satan. We become like the accuser of the brethren, right? But when God 
is our vindicator, then he he restores us to the place where not only does it look like we were never treated unjustly, like like the harm never happened, like the years have been restored, but he also pours out a double portion blessing so that we can then delegate blessing and restoration and justice and vindication in the places where we have been wounded. You know, perfect example, like with the Speak Life Project or the Cloud Cries Out Speak Life, I had two abortions. That was an awful injustice. I was lied to by the industry about what the consequences of those decisions were going to be for my life. I was a child, right? And there was nobody there to stand in the way to tell me like, hey, actually, this is what your life is going to be like if you make this decision. These are the risks that you are going to take on if you do this, but this is actually the blessing that God wants to put in your life, right? If you say yes to having these babies, there was nobody like that. So years later, when I give my bitterness and that entire injustice to the Lord, and I say, God, I trust you with it. It is not allowed to minister to my identity anymore. And it is not allowed to that pain is not allowed to torture me anymore. I forgive myself and I forgive the injustice that was done to me. Mm. Right. Then God gave me a vision and how he wanted to bless me so that I could uh, invite other women into receiving their voice and other women into receiving God's justice and vindication so that they could be the the voice that was crying out in the wilderness that they didn't have right and so now god's blessing is multiplied over and over and over again in my life as other women who went through that are finding freedom they're finding healing they're they're stepping into their destinies into their callings and they're being blessed you know to be able to bless and minister to other women who have been through that pain hmm. Um, and it's interesting too, because, you know, when we talk about the 12 tribes of Israel, right, we don't talk about the tribe of Joseph. God, or God actually had Joseph's father skip over blessing him when he was passing away. And instead he blessed Ephraim and Manasseh with the blessing of the firstborn. And that was a sign, that was a prophetic picture of Jesus who was to come as the second Adam or the le- like the last son, right? Hmm. Who was going to walk in the blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh. Hmm. That when he took on the injustice of sin and death, right? that in exchange, the government or God's justice would be on his shoulders to delegate to the rest of humanity who had been treated unjustly through the consequence of sin. I mean, yeah. So 
I love that. There's so much of that in the Old Testament, man. It's just like so many. That's why you can't read the New Testament without the Old Testament, because you see echoes throughout the entirety of it, of Jesus. Like you see Jesus in the Old Testament. Exactly. And really, you know, Jesus, in all of these great leaders, you see Jesus because they were all a prophetic picture of him and what he was going to do. Right. Um, so yeah, what, (laughs) yeah, I just, I really just feel a burden for like leaders that, that God has, you know, had in this, this journey of character purification right to get not fun it's not fun it sucks sucks. it is not great but like it's sort of like with like how i i share this a lot on my on the show of like i share my failures just as much as my successes because it's very easy for us to look at successes and go oh that's great i'm like your successes are a culmination of your failures Because if you learn from your failures, that's actually what's going to yield you that success. And people look at the success and they go, oh, I'm going to go do my thing and, and I'm going to, um, and I'm, I'm going to succeed. And I'm like, yeah, you will eventually. And, and also I would argue, like you were saying earlier about, you know, failures and, and your son starting his channel, even if it doesn't blow up by the world standards it's still a success because he was obedient and he's going and doing whatever it is and um you know you also mentioned like any businessman i mean talk to any successful businessman and their success has been paved with the carcasses of failed business ventures so your so even if you look at something as like, oh, you know, you're 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 going through tough stuff and your character's being refined and all of that, like it's not fun, but it's yielding the the actual thing that God is calling you to do. And sometimes, yeah, like God is looking for that thing. He's like, if I give this to you before this is dealt with, mm-hmm. you will buckle under the pressure. You know? Right. And you know, it's so powerful because one thing that I have learned over the course of, you know, this last like four years really deeply is that whenever I am triggered, whenever there is something that happens in my life that, that stirs up chaos with like in me, um, it has more to do with something in me Mm -hmm. than it has to do with you out there. And we, when God reveals these things, we, we have this tendency to like take on a a victim mentality. Like, well, it's their fault. They're doing this to me. And really what God is saying is like, honey, like eternity is in you. And I'm trying to get you out of the way so that I can come through you unhindered. Like, Jesus wants to come through us. The King of glory wants to come through us as gates of his glory. And he doesn't want to be tripping over junk that's blocking the gate. You know, we're to look, 
in Isaiah, it says, uh, prepare the way, make the way clear, remove the stones and the stumbling blocks, prepare the way of the Lord. Okay. This is not us coming into the Lord. This is moving hindrances out of the Lord's way so that he can come through. So trauma and wounds and stones of offense, we need to be responsible for saying, oh, wow, like, Lord, uh, I totally tripped on this thing. You know, like somebody cast a stone of accusation at me and it caused the wound. And now it's laying in the path of you being able to walk out of me for the world to see you. Hmm. So God, will you tell me how can I remove this stone of offense? You know, like when you, when we were Stephen and we were stoned, right? And, and you know, Stephen cried out. He saw the Lord stand up for him off the throne. This is crazy, guys. When when we when our hearts are right and we recognize that um, if people knew their sin and knew what they were doing, then they wouldn't do it. And this is why Jesus could say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And this is why Stephen could say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, the people that were in the wrong thought that they were right when really they were acting as the accuser of the brethren literally the name satan it means the one who casts stones the ones the one who casts stones who casts judgments okay that is not that was not in our destiny to do god is the only righteous judge and he is the only one who has a right to cast a stone yet he does not this is another crazy prophetic overarching theme right now that god is teaching me about his justice um and about satan versus see satan yeah i'm not going to go down we don't have enough time but when but when people have cast stones at us and wrongly accused us, falsely judged us, right? God stands up for us mm-hmm. when we, with a right heart, release them and say, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. And then he will take us through the process of removing the damage that those stones have done to our lives, the way that we have been beat up through the trauma so that when other people who are operating in their own trauma and their own woundedness, their trauma and their wounds are no longer able to affect our souls. And we can make rational, biblical, righteous decisions that are rooted in God's love, his mercy, his grace, his character, and his nature on behalf of everyone, regardless of whether or not our trauma is being triggered. <laughs> right. Right. Cause if we're triggered, then we, we gear up for safety, you know? Right. Right. I mean, and this is why, although Jesus had boundaries and he knew when to come and when to go and when to hide and when to be seen, um, he also never shut his heart off from a broken world. Right. His heart was always extended 
to reveal the kingdom to whoever was humble enough to come and receive. And that's what we're called to do too. We're called to know when to have boundaries, when to say no, when, when to be seen, when, when to retreat, right? In maturity. But we are also called to know how to steward our hearts and our emotions and our minds in a way where we are not going to um, refuse to minister God's love and his grace and his glory, even to the broken people around us, because they're the ones that need to see it the most. Mm -hmm. And that's when he can trust us. And that's when we become open wide gates of glory that he can move through powerfully without hindrance. Yeah. 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 And so I, I just feel like, um, I know we're going to go into the next, next segment of, you know, the show, which is like the fun part. But um, one, I just want to, for those of you that are had, have been in this journey, and maybe some of you are still in the journey with the Lord where you're like, dude, I'm still dealing with false accusations. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, if you are dealing with false accusations that are continuing to affect you, then you are still in the prison. But the moment that the false accusations no longer um, affect your soul, you know that you're free. Okay. What, that is when you know you're free is when the, the betrayal, the bitterness, the sin, whatever it is, when it no longer um, binds you up in pain or causes you anger. That's when you know that you've truly let it go and when you've truly been released from the prison and you've stepped into the place of the palace to begin to, to delegate and steward a nation properly. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, we, are, we, we create our own prisons, you know. Um, so that's just to kind of help you understand where you're at. And if you are still in the place of the prison right now where you are still bound by the pain of what of injustice that somebody else has done to you i pray right now that god would release a grace and a revelation and an understanding over your heart yeah. that he is a righteous judge that he sees you that he knows you that he understands you and he makes this promise to you that he will be your vindicator and he will be your justice Mm -hmm. if you will give him all of that and you will choose to release and to forgive those people and those situations entirely to him then you are going to see the blessing of ephraim and manasseh that you are going to be blessed double for your trouble and that it will cause you to forget your suffering And then you're going to be blessed to such a point that God is going to use you in the places of your injustice to to be a voice and an instrument of his justice where others have have been falsely accused and hurt and suffered. And I actually want to decree over you um, Psalm 37, and this is in the Passion Translation. It's called a song of wisdom, and it's a poetic praise by King David. So he was the author of this. He says, don't follow after the wicked ones or be jealous of their wealth. 
don't think for a moment they're better off than you. They and their short-lived success will soon shrivel up and quickly fade away like grass clippings in the hot sun. Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will dwell in the land feasting on his faithfulness. Find your delight and true pleasure in Yahweh and he will give you what you desire the most. Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly. He will appear as your righteousness, as sure as the dawning of a new day. He will manifest as your justice, as sure and strong as the noonday sun. Quiet your heart in his presence and wait patiently for Yahweh. And don't think for a moment that the wicked and their prosperity are better off than you. Stay away from anger and revenge. Keep envy far away from you, for it only leads you into lies. For one day the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will inherit the land. (laughs) Just a little while longer and the ungodly will vanish. You will look for them in vain, but the humble of heart will inherit every promise and enjoy abundant peace. Let the wicked keep plotting against the godly with all their sneers and arrogant jeers. God laughs at the wicked and their plans, for he knows their day is coming. Evil ones take aim at the poor and helpless, and they are ready to slaughter those who do right. But the Lord will turn all their weapons of wickedness back on themselves, piercing their pride-filled hearts until they are helpless. It is much better to have little combined with much of God than to have the fabulous wealth of the wicked and nothing else. For the Lord takes care of all his forgiven ones, while the strength of evil men will surely slip away. Day by day, the Lord watches the good deeds of the godly, and he prepares for them his forever reward. Even in a time of disaster, he will watch over them and they will always have more than enough, no matter what happens. That is the prophetic word that I am releasing over you in this season. This word of the Lord, it doesn't say that God's going to give you a word that you need to obey. It says that as you have trusted in him and given God permission to tell you what is right, then he will show up as your justice. Then he will give you the desires of your heart because you trusted in him. Mm -hmm. And just a reminder to everybody, that's from the Passion Translation, Psalm 37. Yes. So I bless you with that. Do ask God where you're at in your process right now. And ask him, God, is there anything in me? Search me and know me. Mm -hmm. If there's any anxious thought in me or ways in me, right? Search my my anxious heart and and thoughts, yes. Mm -hmm. If there's anxiety, there's fear. And if there's fear, Mm -hmm. there's trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, I want to, I just feel prompted to share this too, um, because... 
it's it's easy to look in. I don't know. Not that hardship is easy, but it's easy to look at things and say say you're constantly being misunderstood. Okay, and your heart, you've analyzed your heart, and you're like, my heart is pure before you, Lord, and and I'm not trying to do anything, but everybody is constantly like coming down on me. Um, maybe it's your approach, and that's the other thing is may like. I, I'll use a perfect example. When Lauren and I first got married, I would, I was used to talking to my, my sister was the closest female in my life. We had a very specific way of talking to one another. We're very passionate. And so we would like, if people overheard us, they would think that we were angry at one another, but we actually weren't. We were just very passionate and would just like, our tone would just be like kind of intense and we'd be going back and forth. We're not mad at each other. We're just exclaiming. Well, I translated that into my relationship with Lauren. And she would say, I don't like it when you talk to me like that. And I'm like, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not being me. I'm not mad. I'm not. She's like, I don't like being talked to that way. And rather than me going, God, what's wrong? I'm constantly. I, my heart is pure before you. You know, I love my wife. I don't know what's wrong. She's constantly misunderstanding me. I needed to change how I communicated to her. It didn't matter my heart's con- my heart's intent. She did not receive love that way. She did not. Un- that's not how she. It's like her. She just shut down when I would when I would come at her with that level of intensity. So. My encouragement to you is when you're going to the Lord and saying, like, God, analyze my heart, lay everything on the table. Do not say, okay, no, just these areas, because this is the, well, maybe they don't like being, and I'm convicted even with this, but other things in my life right now, guys, of like, gosh, like, do I, is everything on the table with God? If there are areas where I feel misunderstood, if there are areas where I feel like aren't quite gelling lay everything on the table guys like that's my encouragement to you is is in this waiting process in this refinement process everything is on the table everything gets refined it's not just one little tiny thing it's the whole of our character and paul said i'm all things to all men and and we should be that way too yeah one person you may be able to joke and 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 rib each other and 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 kind of playfully make fun of one another but another one of your friends you're not on that level. They mm-hmm. don't, you don't communicate in that way. And I think that it's really important to be able to, to adapt to our environments, to adapt to different types of people. And so whatever you're going through, if this is convicting you know that this is unto something that this is going to yield good fruit, right? That, that, that you going through this and maybe you're like, Oh God, Oh, you know, and like you realize that, oh, maybe my approach to certain things was the problem. Maybe that, you know, that could be, um, especially if you've been firmly in the camp of, I am the victim in this situation. I am just being misunderstood by people and it's their problem. If it's more than one person, a lot of times it, like a lot of times it it might be you like it might that that might be an area that you need to improve and not not justifying anything that's been done to you but maybe you're communicating to people is something that has actually caused some of the disruptions and discomfort so um absolutely yeah no and i i would i want to add this we we see 
Saul, like King Saul, okay, uh, and King David. Mm-hmm. King Saul, when he was called as a king, he, you know, felt less than he wasn't from a big tribe or anything. Never left him. That ne- yeah, it, less than never left him. It never left him. His insecurity and his lack of confidence um, never left him. And he, it ultimately turned into him being swayed by the voices and the opinions of the public rather than listening and obeying the word and the command of the Lord. That, that is the thing. If there is insecurity in you and you are, wherever you are fixated in trying to justify yourself or defend yourself, um, it is because you are insecure and insecurity comes from not believing what God has said about you, right? So for me, I am a, okay, I can be in a room with somebody and I know that they are falsely accusing me, that they are misunderstanding me. Um, And I can honestly say that it has absolutely no sway on me. I can I have whole websites that are dedicated to Krista Elisha's false prophet. I mean, like my son was Googling the other day, like, I wonder if uh, they know that Krista Elisha has dogs and their names are Spark and Abby. And he got on Google and he's like, Krista Elisha's pets. And the first thing that popped up, and he's just reading it, not knowing what to expect. And it says, Krista, Elisha, false prophet? Mom, they think you're a false prophet? And I could tell his feelings were hurt, but my feelings weren't hurt at all Mm -hmm. because I know what God has said about me. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now back to the show. Right? Like I am secure. Like I don't need to, I don't need anyone else to understand me. I know that God sees me. I know that he knows me and I know he understands me better than I understand myself. Mm -hmm. And there is something that when, when we don't believe that, we will begin to live from this place of insecurity to try to prove 100%. who we are, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that is what causes the most mis- misunderstanding, right? So it's almost like the wounds inside of us become a self-fulfilling demonic prophecy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's only when we get free from those things that we can rightly and, and step into our rightful identity um, that we can be confident because God is not going to allow us to become rulers over anything that he can't trust us to listen and obey when we need to listen and obey. Mm-hmm. And he can't trust us to make righteous decisions towards and and Saul's life in comparison to to David's life is a perfect example of that. We've also been hearing tons of prophetic words about 
God raising up the Davids in this hour to rule a nation. They were anointed several years ago, and now God is raising them up to take the place of King Saul's. And so, you know, we need to know that we're understood by God, and that has to be enough. Mm-hmm. And when that is enough, when his word is enough, that's when you realize like, wow, it really is enough. And then he starts showing up and he starts ministering to the people that don't understand you um, and vindicating you. He does it. You don't have to do it. I mean, like I have, the Lord told me 2022 is the year I vindicate you. And at the end of 2022, Um, after I had went through several years of awful false. Yeah, pretty bad. You know, because people wrote some letters. Okay, there was was some terrible things said about me, and Jeff knows, okay? (laughs) And instead of retaliation or trying to defend myself, what do we do? I prayed for them. Jeff helped steward my heart in that situation. Well, yeah, and it's, I mean, just stuff that like, yeah. Stuff that there's no, if anybody knew you, even just a little bit would know that it wasn't true. Like some of the stuff people are saying, I'm like, what? No. Like, yeah. Anyways. Right. So it's like, it's, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to not like, as when you're, when you see someone you care about going through something like that, you need to protect your heart too, because Mm -hmm. you can be a, a place of, of wisdom for that person going through that but you need to protect your heart too. And it's really easy if we're not careful to pick up other people's offenses yeah. and just by and, pro- association. And yeah. Yeah. And God will, that's another test of our character too, is, is to see how we'll steward our hearts when our friends are going through that, you know, right. so that we can remain open to ministering to even the people that, you know, have wounded our friends, you know, and the people that we love and do know and do understand. Yeah. But, it's what's crazy is that that year I had multiple people that were connected to those individuals, like connected intimately were a part of the smear campaign in my region um, that would end up being in a meeting that they didn't know that I was speaking at. And then I speak and they couldn't leave because they were there with friends or family or whatever. and. I start ministering and the Holy Spirit starts convicting them and not knowing anything about those people, who those people were or whatever, like the Lord began to convict them and began to chastise them. And I would, the Holy Spirit through me would bring up specific things that I was falsely accused of. And I would begin to minister the truth that I truly believe. Right. Um, and, and confronting things. And I had so many people like at all of these meetings and, and subsequently that would come up to me and weep and say, while you were ministering, the Holy spirit convicted me. I have to tell you who I am. I have to tell you what I did to you. I am so sorry. I am so Mm -hmm. wrong. Will you please forgive me? And will you pray for me that I will have what you have? And one by one, like vindicated me over and over and over again. Um, One of the people who was one of the main voices of false accusation and misunderstanding, um, I actually was at a meeting 
and it was like a Holy Spirit night and they do um, like fire tunnel things, you know, and everybody prays for one another. And um, I'm there and I saw that this person was there and I just made a decision that like, God, I'm going to, I'm going to love them. I'm going to bless them. I'm not going to leave. And you know what, God, I know that deep down in their heart, they love you and they want to do what is right by you. And so I'm not even going to disallow them from laying hands on me when I go through the fire tunnel. Like I will receive the Holy Spirit from them, even though I know that they misunderstand me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through the the fire tunnel doing that letting them lay hands on me. And Jeff, I kid you not, the spiritual leader of that ministry was standing like right across from that person as we kept like folding over doing the um, fire tunnel because it was everybody you'd go through and then you'd get on the end and touch everyone and pray for everybody else. He was right across from that person and he stopped me in the line, got in front of me and bent over and started kissing my head and calling me daughter and prophesying the Lord's favor over me and speaking purity over me and an identity over me. And all I'm hearing the whole time this is happening, because he's literally, he had no idea what was going on with that person because that person's not a part of his ministry. They had just showed up to receive like I did. Um, didn't know the story at all. And yet it was the father's heart in the presence of my enemies because my heart was pure and I was innocent, him vindicating me in that moment mm. in front of my enemies, right? And, and that, is, that is the vindication of God. That is the justice of God that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints us in the presence of our enemies and our cup overflows because goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our life. Mm. Right? Like not false accusations, not the pain of our past, not trauma, but goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our life. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like Joseph, like if you hadn't allowed God to refine your heart, you couldn't have, like you were in that position of, you know, even when these people attended, you know, events that they didn't know you were going to be speaking at, you were able to bless them and minister just like Joseph was to his brothers instead of being like, ha, look who it is mm. to the gallows with you, you know, or whatever Egyptians did back then, uh, yeah. to their, you know, to, he had the authority to do it. You know, he was the uh, chief of the executioners. Right. So, Potiphar was the chief of the executioners. Well, there you go. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just like a perfect example of, you know, your character was refined in that process. And it, it's, you know, I was witness to it. It's not like you were like perfect at it. Like God's not demanding perfection no. from us. He's, ask, he's asking for us to submit to him, to be submitted to, to him and to say yes to what he brings before us. And, and, uh, I think that, yeah, that was, you know, um, anyways, it's, yeah, it's it's a a happy ending. Right. Well, it just made me think, um, I hadn't seen that before, but so Potiphar was the chief of the executioners yet. He didn't execute Joseph for whatever, probably because he felt that Joseph was innocent. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or but God stayed his hand. Yeah. I mean, either one. Yeah. 
but um, then Joseph didn't execute Potiphar, but he could have, right? right. And his brothers. But or what, his wife for that matter. <laughs> right. But what is really interesting yeah. is that God was, was killing, was executing Joseph's pride and Joseph's ego mm. in that process, right? And like, that's really when we are going through these things, like the Lord is showing us areas of ourself that need to die so that he can live powerfully in that place. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it's not I who live, but he who lives in me. And that's definitely what that was. That whole process was about. And man, I am so grateful because you don't know freedom until you get free from you. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, like yeah, being yeah. able, it, I, I almost like, I have to be careful that I don't take advantage of my confidence and my, and, or, or take for granted, I should say the confidence and the security that I have in the Lord today, mm. because I wasn't always like this. Right. Um, take it for granted for sure. Right. So yeah, passing through the fire to get there. Yeah. You know? So we just bless all of you to receive. Yes. And it's a good word. You guys, a great word for 2024 um to uh dream to be bold to go out and do those things for the lord um but also the recognition that those things I, I, like i said as with the analogy with my wife and the gifts that i gave her it's it's my i know there are things she's going to like because i'm in relationship with her and also like 50% of her gifts this year were out of the overflow of my heart things that weren't even on her list that i was like oh i need to get her this and this and this, and this, oh, she's going to love this, you know? Um, and everything you do should be an extension of your relationship with the Lord. Like, yeah. Even if, yeah. So, um, all right, Krista, uh, obviously people, they can go to kristaelisha.com and, and find out all the amazing stuff. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah. I was just thinking, cause you know, in Psalm 37, it says, um, you know, and trust the Lord, rely on him, do what he says. And it says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, four for those yeah. who want to. Yeah. And, um, but I was just thinking like, well, God, like what was Joseph, what was the desire of Joseph's heart? And the desire of Joseph's heart was to see his mother and father again. Hmm. And he had done all that good. And he, cause that obviously like the first thing he does is he asks, asks about his father, you know, mm -hmm. and then he finds out that he has a brother. And so God gave him the desires of his heart and not just to have his father be with him and for him to be able to bury his father, but also for his whole family to be reconciled. Mm -hmm. And so God did give Joseph the desires of his heart, you know? Um, so yeah, I bless you guys to, to know that God mm -hmm. God wants to give you the desires of your heart as you walk and are faithful with him. And yeah, mm -hmm. you can find all my stuff on uh, Krista, Elisha.com. Um, yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of good stuff on there. Great hub of resources yes, and awesome. merch and all kinds of other stuff. So are you ready to do this Christmas questionnaire, yes, Krista? Do it. The Christmas third annual Christmas Christmas <laughs> questionnaire. Here we go. All right, Krista. So what we're going to do is I'm only going to ask you three questions and then we're going to do something special to illumination. Okay. So question number one, 
What are you most looking forward to this season? Or maybe you've already done it, but what are you most looking forward to this season? Let me see. Most looking forward to. I'm actually really looking forward to Christmas this year because my father-in-law, who I have just recently met, he and uh, my husband had been estranged for, for 12 years. They recently reconciled, and this will be the first Christmas that we get to spend with him. Amazing. So, and What a coming, gift. I know. And he's coming yeah. over and he likes me. I think that's uh, his favorite. So, um, but he's coming over for, for Christmas Eve. This what's year. his name? His name is David. It's exactly, his name is exactly like my husband's name. There's no like junior or senior. It's David Schramm. So, and their handwriting is the same. I kept pulling his name out of the raffle basket at our Christmas party. And I'm like, uh, David, did you play the raffle? But it was his dad. So that's but, awesome. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. So cool. That's really cool. All right. Uh, this one is an interesting one. Uh, this was Illumination's idea, this question. What non-Christmas movie is a Christmas movie for you? It could be there could be a couple. Non-Christmas movie is a Christmas movie for me. Oh my gosh, this is a hard one. Non I don't know. I have several. Do really? <laughs> I do. Because there's a lot of I chart um i chart time through what movies came out like that's that's what i um i typically do um i don't with, know oh there it is <laughs> I, for some reason i saw something pop up on like a thumbs up pop up on your screen yeah that was weird yeah illumination said narnia the chronicles of narnia yes. yeah that came out during christmas so a lot of movies that come out i chart time through what movies come out i'm like okay well 2002 that was this movie this movie and this movie well christmas is one of my favorite times of year a lot of movies come out so for me, there's several. Lord of the Rings is one. Every single one of those came out in December. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, Tron Legacy is another one that I always watch during Christmas time. Frozen. Uh, yeah, Frozen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, any movies that usually come out around like November, December or in December specifically. Uh, Avatar movies. I always want to watch them during, during like December. Yeah. You know, so uh, for me, there's like a lot i have like several movies i would need to go through them all but i'm like oh yeah this one, so, this one. yeah so i feel like oh man narnia is you know, the lion the witch in the wardrobe yeah. is such a classic mm -hmm. and that definitely is like feels like a christmas movie to me i t i consider it a christmas movie because yeah. what it what do they say about narnia it's always winter never christmas you know so yeah but then there's santa claus in it right you know, they get swords. I want a sword. <laughs> I yeah. actually have a sword, but you know. So I think that that's a Christmas movie too. So, yeah. but that was just a really interesting question. That was a good one, Jeff. It is a good oh, one. Goodness. That was that was illumination. Yeah. Oh, that illumination. Was, yeah, that was her question. All right. So last of the questions, and then we'll jump into the the other thing we're going to do. Uh, finish the sentence. It's not Christmas without eggnog. Okay. Now we're talking. Right. <laughs> it's not. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Southern Comfort eggnog. <laughs> oh, you like the Southern Comfort one? I do. I think it's yeah. more spicy. So yeah, I, like I haven't it. had the Southern Comfort one in a while. Um, but there's a uh place up here, Umqua Dairy, uh named after a Native American, but Umqua 
Um, and their eggnog is the bomb. Mm. So I was actually, I, I have some in the fridge right now. So I will have to try it when I'm out yeah, there. One of these days. Yeah. 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 It's a local, a local treasure. So, all right, hold on. Let me, uh, bring this up. Give me just a second. I have to share my screen. All right. We're going to play overrated underrated and illumination made this beautiful slideshow. Let me get rid of the overlay. All right. So the rules are we, I, we, there's a topic or a, a thing it could be a movie. It could be a song. It could be a, a Christmas, a th you know, a holiday tradition, whatever. And it's overrated, underrated, but there's a third one overrated, accurately rated, underrated. Okay. All right. So there's three options. All right. First one which is eggnog overrated, correctly rated. Correctly rated. Correctly rated. Yeah. Correctly rated for sure. Yeah. Bing Crosby Christmas music. Overrated. Oh, get out of here. I just watched <laughs> Christmas last night. Look. No, I do like it. I, I think it's appropriately rated. Okay. You can, yeah. you can think it's overrated. It's no. okay. It's not going to offend me. I would rather Bing Crosby than Mariah Carey. Okay. All right. Yeah. There we go. Okay. And everybody, please feel free to jump in here. Um, and and uh, this isn't live, but you know the the live the comments are live. So feel free to to jump in. All right, gingerbread. So underrated, dude. I dude. feel that it is okay. so underrated. There is a store in town called here in town where I live called Roths. And they have the best gingerbread men, like just plain by themselves. And I made this healthy, um, is a healthier cream cheese frosting and spread it on them. And oh, it's so good, guys. Yeah. Makes me want to make some now. Yeah. So cream cheese frosting, guys, if you want a healthier version of cream cheese frosting, get a whole block of cream cheese. You can do light cream cheese if you want. Get it down to room temp. Add in a quarter cup of vanilla Greek yogurt, add in a quarter cup of maple syrup and a teaspoon of vanilla extract or vanilla bean paste and just whip that together. Oh, Lord. Oh, that it's sounds like lovely. the real thing. It's so good. All it right. Good. Yeah, it's so good. All right. Elf on the shelf. Uh, I think it's probably appropriately rated. I think that it's really funny. Um, you know, the things that now I don't personally believe in like making things up or lying to our kids. I, you know, the Lord really convicted me about that. And I told my son that Santa Claus was not flying to deliver presents and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but that I did tell him the story of St. Nick. Nicholas, who was a real saint and did really cool things. Uh -huh. One of the, one of the cool things he was known for is uh, getting into a bar fight over Jesus. Um, <laughs> interesting, but, um, I think that part of that is like, you know, it's like the one thing, one time of year where you actually see like parents playing with their kids. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so I don't think it's evil you know, if you're doing it to play with your kids and to inspire awe and wonder, mm, you know, and, and letting them know, like, we're using our imagination to have fun. 
you know, with yeah. each other, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's appropriately in the church. I think it's underrated. How about that? Okay. There we go. Okay. All right. Good, good answer. Good answer. All right. Uh, jingle bells. <laughs> I think, I think Batman that it's, smells it's, it's appropriately rated. It is a, it is a Christmas classic all the way. It is. And there's so many variations. It's wonderful. Yes, it is. I agree. Christmas dinner. Oh, I think that one is appropriately rated. Underrated. I mean, I don't know. We make we make a big deal about Christmas dinner. I would say underrated. We should go even harder. There everybody, you go. Should, yeah, everybody should. Everybody should do Christmas dinner. Go all out. Yeah. Yeah. I usually so, make a ham. Okay. Yeah, we're doing ham this year too. Mm -hmm. It's very good. Do you guys do ham or turkey? on Christmas for Christmas dinner, let us know in the comments, or yeah. if you have something different, maybe your um, prime rib. Some people do yeah, prime rib. Some people do tamales, you know, especially uh, of Latin American descent. Mm. Uh, so let us know guys, let us know in the comments. All right. Um, white Christmas, the movie, you know, I, I don't I'm know if I've seen that. Really? Yeah. It's great. Well, I will trust whatever. Well, maybe it's underrated. I don't know. Maybe you, don't, maybe you it. won't like it. I would, I mean, it's a classic. I, I, I definitely, I'm going to write it down. Yep. Yep. I like all movies from that era though. So, you know, well, Ari, like as soon as the eggnog comes out, he wants to start watching Christmas movies like nonstop, but he's a kid. So he's got yeah. like his, that he likes to watch. What does he like to watch? He loves Home Alone, all of okay. them. Uh -huh. uh, oh, what is the other one? He likes Ice Age. Ice Age is a, is a not Christmas Christmas movie that he. Yeah, see, loves. there you go. Perfect example. Um, he loves the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh huh. That's amazing. I make him watch Charles Dickens Christmas Carol. The one with George C. Scott. Yes, the, that the one, it did. That I love that one. That's probably my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, it was my mom's too. And uh, what's the other one he's been watching? Oh, he's been watching the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. A jingle all the way. Yes. Yeah. He thinks that one's hilarious right now. But his love language is quality time and movies. So <laughs> he's a lot like you. It's it's interesting. Oh, there we go. So yeah. we'll watch White Christmas. For... Yeah, it's it's great. I love it. So, all right. Uh, stockings. I feel that they are underrated. Yes, I agree. Thank you. They are underrated. There's yeah. so much cool stuff you can stick in there. And it's like you could peek, but it's exciting if you don't. We I don't actually know. wrap each individual one. Lauren and I do. So you can't peek. I don't. The problem we have, though. I have this year. I went so overboard. I probably got double what will fit in the stocking. For <laughs> Lord, <laughs> I just was like, dude, stop buying stuff. And it was like, because we always go to like, that's what we did on Friday. We went to like go see Christmas lights, and then we went to the store. We went to World Market, and then we went like we each like get a basket and we go around and we have like a, a certain like price point. Okay. Don't spend over this, but um, it just, uh, yeah, it's going to be a problem. It's just going to be like spill out. So 
Yeah, no. definitely. I, I would say underrated. Go hard on the stockings, guys. And if you're worried about people peeking, wrap each thing individually. It's like a bunch of individual yeah. presents. It's super fun. So yeah, yeah. All right, uh, mistletoe. Totally underrated. Yeah, super awkward though when you're underneath. I remember one time I was underneath mistletoe with my brother. And I, I was like 10 and he was like seven. And I was like, no, I'm not going to kiss you. <laughs> Maybe if you put a little tag on it that says married only mistletoe. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I do think it's, I think it's underrated. Yeah. It's a fun tradition that, um, you know, more people should do, I guess. So candy canes. I think that they are also underrated. Yeah. I actually, no, I have, I've had candy canes this year, but yeah. I love I love peppermint I do too. in general, but candy canes, they've got so many different flavors and stuff now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that they're an adorable, like hallmark decoration sort of thing, but um, I think we could find use for more use for them. Yeah, um, I agree. All right. So we're almost out of time. I was about to be under two hours so we can okay. actually upload this thing. So we'll do one more, one more, one more. Feliz Navidad. Appropriately so, rated. I'd say overrated. Oh, oh I love that. It always I reminds just... me of Pee Wee's Christmas. Oh, Feliz yeah. Navidad. I, I, I forgot that. Feliz Navidad. Yeah, I forgot that. Her Pee -wee outfit wasn't that. appropriate for children, but. I don't even remember that movie, actually. Really? Yeah, I don't. Surprisingly. I'm sure if I watched it, I'd go, oh, yeah, I remember. So. That was just a big uh, deal with my family. So, my dad loved Pee Wee. So. Nice. All right. So uh, we are out of time. But Krista, thank you so much for doing one more. Well, we'll do it again. But another, another installment of Christmas. It's such an honor to have you on the show. We love you. Aww. And I love you guys uh, too. Yeah. So everybody tune in tomorrow. We've got James Gall back on for our Discerning Prophecy teaching series, which has been absolutely lit. Um, so it's part three of four and you do not want to miss it. So it's going to be super great. You guys, we love you and we'll see you tomorrow. 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time with James Gall. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Thank you.